Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. We are very excited to have Marcy Zaroff on our show today, who actually coined and trademarked the term eco-fashion in 1995, when I was just four years old. This She is a very much a pioneer. So she is an eco-lifestyle entrepreneur and educator, as well as QVC eco-expert and guest host. She is the founder and CEO of Eco-Fashion Corp. EFC, as she calls it, and co-founder of Beyond Brands and Good Catch, as well as author of Eco Renaissance. Marcy is responsible for bringing the first sustainable fashion products to target Macy's, Aveda, and Whole Foods. She has been featured in Women's Wear Daily, Forbes, won numerous extremely prestigious awards, and is all around fantastic and making the world a better place on a daily basis. Thank you, Marcy, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. What a nice, uh, what a pleasure to be with both you and your mom today. When Delia was telling me about you, Marcy, she said, it's almost impossible how many fabulous things she's done. And she's so young. Yeah, well, I, you know, I often joke that even though I've been doing this for 30 years, I started when I was three. So, you know, (laughs) no, I, yeah, no, it's it's funny because sometimes I, you know, when, when I remind myself that I have a 25 year old daughter, but I've been in this, you know, on this journey, this life path. Uh, career-wise, for longer than my daughter's been alive, I get very confused. It just feels like <laughs> so something's like, where's the time gone? Right. Yes. But always fun and a, and a wonderful journey. Um, and I know we'll, we'll dive into that further, but you know that it's every day and I love doing what I do. Every day I'm learning something new. And my favorite quote is work is love made visible because when you love your work, it's Ooh. not work, it's love. So true. Well, that's true. And especially if you're working to actually literally change the world and things like that, it's it's purpose, it's passion, it's meaningful, it's so many different things. So do you want to start by walking us through your incredible career path, including all the companies you've started and also what is this, what were you doing at three years old? (laughs) I'm partly being facetious just to keep myself young, but um, not to age myself, but um, (laughs) yes, no, I actually started, I would say I started my career path probably when I was around 16, a girlfriend of mine gave me a book called Living in the Light which um, is by Shakti Gawain. And it sort of just had a, it struck a chord in me that there's more than what we see. And so, you know, she also, the same friend, gave me the first uh, product that Aveda created, the the hair care brand, the beauty brand. Mm -hmm. And I just fell in love with their philosophy. I loved everything about, you know, their messaging and who they were and the ingredients. And it just also kind of planted a seed in me. And then I went to business school. And when I graduated, because I had already immersed myself in this world of, you know, health, wellness, environmental awareness um, on a personal level, um, I started a school right out of college uh, that is known today as the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. It's considered the world's largest holistic health nutrition program. Uh, there are over 170,000 people worldwide certified as health coaches from the school. And that sort of set my journey into 
understanding that every choice we make, what we put in our bodies really does matter and thinking about, you know, food as energy. And then that sort of took me to the next frontier where I had had this seed planted on beauty products because of Aveda. And I actually met the founder of Aveda at a conference and we became fast friends, shared so many ideas and ended up connecting the dots from food to beauty, where we opened the very first Aveda concept salon together in New York, in my school. And then that evolved where we were starting to recognize there was a missing link in this whole wellness an environmental equation when it came to fiber and fashion. And we were both, you know, into the worlds of fashion and beauty. I always joke, I got best dressed in high school. That's my big, you know, <laughs> um, but I loved, you know, I, I always loved fashion. So in 1995, I coined and trademarked the term eco fashion. And I started my first company in the fashion arena, um, you know, coming off of uh, IIN, which I sold to my co-founder and uh, started a brand called Under the Canopy, inspired by the fact that we all live under the canopy of the planet's ecosystem together. And originally we were direct to consumer back in the day when direct to consumer was mail order. And that sort of segued into, as you mentioned in my bio, um, launching the first time organic and sustainable fiber or fashion initiative for many, many major retailers, including, you know, Target, Macy's, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, Veda, Whole Foods. Um, And over the years of growing under the canopy, it really was at the forefront of the sustainable fashion and home world. And uh, so I spent a lot of years in the trenches building the movement in all sort of facets or all spokes in the wheel of the movement of eco-fashion, including building supply chains and communication strategies, um, all the way from source to story. And so that sort of launched me into the next frontier of my career, where I co-founded a consulting agency with my husband called Beyond Brands, where we did uh, food, beauty, supplements, uh, fashion, all different categories of the eco and conscious lifestyle. And we launched a brand together called Good Catch. We were, my husband and I were two of the co-founders in a plant-based seafood brand. And then that's sort of after exiting that full circle back to my roots in eco fashion. And today I am the founder and CEO of Eco Fashion Corp. We have four brands or four verticals, um, MetaWare, which is a B2B manufacturing platform, kind of the Intel inside fueling the sustainable fashion movement. And then we have three house brands, two which live on QVC. One is farm to home. The other is seed to style. And then finally, our digital brand, our direct to consumer brand, which is called Yes And, which is all about yes, style, quality, fit, color, comfort, hand, price, everything you want. And oh, by the way, socially and environmentally responsible. So low impact dyed, certified organic, fair labor, uh, circular, and all the yummy stuff that goes with that. So lots on my plate, but always having fun. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that's so remarkable. You know, today, everybody's trying so hard just now, (laughs) trying so hard to figure out how they're going to become more sustainable. And, you know, especially these young brands and everything. And you've been doing it for quite a long time. So since you actually coined the term eco fashion, can you define what that means for us? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, I came out of the food and beauty world. And if you look at kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's this, you know, evolution of humanity's basic needs, starting with food and evolving into shelter and clothing. And so when I sort of had that epiphany 
um, I wanted to really style the world of change, you know, that I had come out of with the people who are more conscious around food and beauty, but I wanted to change the world of style and following the footsteps of the founder of Aveda, seeing what he was doing in the personal care world. And he was such an icon. I really wanted to revolutionize the fashion industry by bridging the tree hugger and the fashionista. So ecology or ecosystems is this understanding of how we're all interconnected, married with fashion, which of course is all about, you know, looking good. So the whole idea of eco-fashion is this fusion of those worlds where you can look good, feel good, and do good in the world with no compromise to style or sustainability. Mm, that's amazing. I think everybody, well, I don't know, certain ages, the first glass bottle of Aveda shampoo, the smell, <laughs> the scent, the experience. I mean, you know, I think, I mean, you just never forget that, right? It was so, oh, it was so genius. And, and, you know, one thing that I really learned from the founder who became really my mentor for over 25 years, he passed away a few years ago, um, but just such a, such an amazing human being and and leader. And, um, you know, he always said, you know, you have to appeal to people at a visceral level through the lens of design, we can change the world. And then we take them down the rabbit hole of what you're talking about, like what's in it and those smells and those scents and where do they come from? And how, the plant derived ingredients and the ancient healing traditions and the right. indigenous cultures. And I was so like moved and inspired by that whole philosophy that he had and, and sort of yeah. that the fashion. I, I bet you were because there had never been anything like it. Correct. That I, and everybody um, thought I was crazy. People were like, nobody's ever going to buy into that, Marcy. People who are into fashion are not into, you know, ecology right. and the environment and social justice. And people who are into, you know, social justice and ecology are not into fashion. And I'm like, wait a minute, but I'm that person. Right. And that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> I can see why they thought that. How did you learn to start, run, and grow a company? Well, I would say that, um, you know, I'm probably wired as an entrepreneur. Um, I was the kid with the lemonade stand growing up. So, you know, had business cards by the time I was 11 and, and <laughs> really, you know, just kind of always think, trying to think out of the box and, and create. And I was also an artist. So, you know, I was always kind of immersing myself in anything that I could create that didn't exist. And one of my favorite quotes also is vision is the art of seeing things invisible by Jonathan Swift. And so setting a vision for me was kind of that starting point where what is it that I was trying to solve for? Because it really businesses really start there. You know, what's the problem and what, you know, what kind of solution do you feel like you can create? And as Albert Einstein says, you know, we can't solve today's problems with the same consciousness that created them. Right. So we have to we do have to think out of the box. So for me, it was really, you know, I do have a business degree, a business background. I do have, you know, the experience of as a child, always trying to get my hands, you know, and feed in the trenches of different ideas and business uh, concepts. And, and then when I graduated, it, you know, it was really, again, just one step at a time. You know, you have to just trust your gut and follow your heart and don't be afraid of the bumps along the way. They're part of the process. So I always say to 
you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, put your seatbelt on because the journey is like being on a roller coaster. You're going to go up and down. You're going to twist and turn. You're probably going to go upside down and you're going to, you know, in, in, you just have to enjoy the ride, put your hands up and surrender because it's never going to be a straight line. It's never going to go exactly the way you think it's going to go. You have to set a vision and you have to be willing to pivot and see every single challenge as an opportunity to get smarter and stronger and better and clearer personally and professionally, you know, approaching life where you're not afraid of obstacles, you actually embrace them because those are the moments in time where we grow the most. It is so many twists and turns. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's, you know, if you don't have thick skin, being an entrepreneur is probably not the path for you, but um, it is, yeah, because, you know, it is, it is a bumpy ride. I mean, the, the way that you get to the end game or, your, you know, where you want to go is really understanding that, you know, you're it's it's all about learning and growing and and mm-hmm. being able to adapt. And I think that's why a lot of big companies get stuck because they're so they're so burdened with, you know, bureaucracy and process to a level where they can't move with the times. And we all know, I mean, especially with the internet, you know, and technology, I mean, things are moving so fast now. We have to be nimble. We have to be willing to pivot and twist and turn in order to get where we want to go. Look at what COVID just threw us a huge curveball, huh? Right. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yes. So we know, obviously, purchasing from sustainable brands is extremely important. Do you have any facts that you want to share about the importance of this? Sure. So um, I happen to be a soil junkie. I'm really big into organic and regenerative agriculture. And what a lot of people, you know, who eat organic food don't realize is that cotton is one of you know, the most heavily sprayed industries in agriculture. And um, when you pull the curtain back and you look at the magnitude and multitude of impacts that cotton has from the fact that less than 3% of the world's agriculture is cotton, but over 20% of the most harmful insecticides, 10% of the most toxic carcinogenic pesticides, um, the biggest user of Roundup, which contains glyphosate, uh, ninety probably 98% of the cotton on the planet is grown using GMO seeds. Um, and so, you know, we really need to now get back in the trenches and look at, at soil health as our greatest solution to climate change. And what that means is on the food and the fiber side, we have to rebuild or regenerate soil in order to make it healthy, where it will then sequester carbon out of the atmosphere like a sponge. Um, and when soil is broken and depleted and destroyed through chemical agriculture, it, it's so broken down that the, that the carbon actually that normally would be sequestered or, or uh, caught and, and captured in the soil would actually be released back into the atmosphere. So, so I would just say, you know, when we look at organic and 83% of consumers today are buying organic food, at least occasionally. I mean, that's a fact. I've, I've been on the board of the Organic Trade Association um, for eight years now on the Organic Center Board. We just came out with a, a scientific study about the environmental benefits of organic cotton. Um, so it's really important. But I would say, you know, it's not just about when you look at a label that, you know, one or 2% organic in the label, it's really about understanding it from a systemic level. And it's about, you know, changing or transforming agriculture. And to me, you know, that is the DNA of all of our products at Eco Fashion Corp. It's not about the shirt or the dress or the jacket. It's what 
how can we do well by doing good in the world? And it starts at the seed, at the farmer level where the seed is life. And we have to think about everything that we buy and that every brand we support, every company we support, you know, they have a value system. And I would just say, you know, it's really about looking at, you know, how can we address you know, not just social justice, but climate justice, because they go hand in hand and look at the impacts, especially in fashion, which is one of the biggest air and pollute and water polluters in the world. How can mm-hmm. we look at these impacts? I mean, you'll see different statistics around, you know, uh, fashion is the second largest polluter next to coal. But even if it's right. not second, it's still up there in the top, you know, five. And when you look at the, you know, carbon footprint, you'll see numbers, you know, it depends on what you include. If you include agriculture and transportation, which are part of the fashion industry, eight to 10% of the carbon footprint in the world is from the fashion industry, right? Mm-hmm. So, you, get, you know, 20% of fresh water pollution comes from textile treatment and dyeing. So, you know, every choice that we make when we look at, you know, low impact, organic, circular does make a difference. This is not a marketing proposition, the whole concept of sustainable or eco fashion. It really is about thinking differently about the the fashion or the choices that we're making um, so that, you know, we're not depleting and destroying and polluting and, and actually hurting the livelihoods of the farmers and the workers. So the whole idea of, you know, sustainable fashion is you can have everything that you want in the way of style, quality, and price and make a difference to human and environmental wellness, farmer and worker welfare, and future generations in the process. Yes. And it's such a huge industry, you know, just like you were talking about, it's just such a dinosaur. Um, Yeah. Well, you know, you'll see numbers uh, over $3 trillion industry. Yeah. So it definitely, I mean, and and fortunately now it's all hands on deck. And I think, you know, the internet has definitely changed the game and more and more brands and retailers are are waking up every day, especially in lieu of what just, you know, transpired Mm -hmm. with with COVID Mm -hmm. lockdowns and, and they're waking up and realizing that it's not about staying ahead anymore. It's about not being left behind. You have to be embedding sustainable, you know, uh, social and environmental accountability into your business models, or you're going to be out of the game. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's out of the closet, you know, it's, it's, you know, it was kind of, it, you know, people didn't want to deal with it. And then within the industry, they started talking about it, knowing, you know, that they probably needed to think about it. And now it's like, if you don't do it, you're basically done, you know? So for people that are listening, can you give us your definition of sustainability? Cause it can be so many different things. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're really looking at it from the right lens, it, it does incorporate to me all the five P's, right. Which is people, planet, profit, passion, and purpose. It's not just about the environment. Although of course, what we take from the earth, we have to give back to the earth and we have to, you know, incorporate practices and methodologies that are, you know, that are lasting or in other words, sustainable, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's looking at what's sustainable for humanity. So sustainability also has to incorporate social justice and inclusion um, as much as it does about, you know, consciousness about our environment. So to me, you know, it's, it's such a big word and it's defined in so mm-hmm. many ways, but to me, it really is about, you know, this cradle to cradle mentality, you know, which mm-hmm. takes into consideration and at least in, in the fashion space, in terms of our fashion positive vertical material health and material reuse 
and renewable energy and climate, you know, justice and, you know, social, social justice and water stewardship. I mean, these are all spokes in that wheel. Right, right. It's just, it is so much. I think that sometimes people feel overwhelmed by how, how big it is, but, um, but we'll talk about more. We'll talk about that more in a while. <laughs> yes, I recently watched the, did you see the Bill Gates docuseries on Netflix? Not yet. No. Did, uh, was this a farming specific one or? No. Well, it's called Inside Bill's Brain. Oh, no, I didn't. You should definitely watch it because okay. it really helped me to better understand global health and then the, our globe and the climate and everything. Mm-hmm. It kind of, of course, it talks about Microsoft, but then it also talks about all these complex problems that the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are trying to solve. So that was really interesting. And then I also watched the United Nations, the Sustainable Development Goals. Yes. That 34 minute thing on YouTube and that, I mean, there are so many, many, many millions of problems. So I'm trying to think. (laughs) Yes. You definitely have to pick your battles and, and, you know, the UN has laid out their 17 sustainable development goals in a really, really amazing, powerful way. And that can be translated in so many ways. I mean, as, as I mentioned before we started, you know, I'm doing it through fashion. My daughter has leveraged the 17 sustainable uh, development goals uh, to, um, infuse into performing arts um, to educate kind of like the old school Allison, like the conjunction junction days. Oh, um, right. Like it's like, cause we learn, we often learn through, you know, the arts. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, it really is about raising consciousness globally because we're all in this together, right? We're yes. You know, the, yes. The message, message of unity has never been stronger than it is now. And I think that again, is the gift that COVID's given us is this, Absolutely. you know, deep awareness about that connectivity. And as a founder, I feel like we have this unique opportunity to create the world that we want to see. It's so much more than just saying, I'm going to start a company. (laughs) That's right. I always say, you know, we have to eat the change, live the change, be the change, wear the change we wish Mm -hmm. to see in the world. And, uh, and those words are, you know, extremely powerful because it really is, you know, we can create or design whatever reality we wish to see, which is really the, you know, underlying premise of my book, right, which is, you know, the yes and philosophy, yes, give people what they want in food, that's taste, in beauty products, it's scent and functionality, in fashion, Mm -hmm. it's style and quality, in business, it's profitability. And if you can give people what they want, then it's not why, it's why not, if you give them everything they want, and so much more value. So it's values and value. Um, and that really is, you know, kind of why design is so powerful and why I kick off the book with, you know, about art, because art is the language of the eco renaissance, you know, we can, the renaissance is all about a rebirth, it's a rebirth uh, of humanity that's happening right now through this understanding that we are all connected that ecosystem, right, mm-hmm. that you know, that we're, we're not even, you know, sometimes people think we're, we're outside of nature, we're separated from nature, but we are very much a part of nature, we breathe out 
carbon and nature breathes in carbon and nature breathes out oxygen and we breathe in oxygen. We have a very symbiotic relationship with our ecosystem, with our environment that we lose sight of sometimes. We have to remind ourselves now that this rebirth that's happening, it has to go hand in hand with the recognition that we are part of nature and and all connected. Well, I think that that has also been brought to the forefront during COVID. You know, so many people, so many people, have said to me, they said it last spring, we haven't had a spring this pretty in years. Well, we have, but they just weren't looking. You know, we had to sit still. People moved out by the ocean or wherever they were, and they sat and watched, you know, the, you know, the miracle of, of spring and everything suddenly was like so profound when we hadn't even been thinking about it before. And then you start realizing what we've been doing to the earth and, you know, at the same time, you're sitting in your house and someone in Milan is sitting in their house and you're both alone, but you are connected in a way that you have never been connected before. It's really been a fascinating, you know, experience to go through this, I feel like. Collecting. Yeah. And, and I, just to build on that, I mean, it's it's, you know, it's very metaphoric that we haven't been able to go outside. Right. Because of quarantine, mm-hmm. but we've been able to go inside and the recognition that the truth and, and you know, our soul at a soul level. I think we all do want to feel good. We all do want to be healthy. We all do want to feel connected. We all do want, you know, mm-hmm. to, to and, and, you know, it's kind of forced everybody to reset their priorities and look at, you know, is all that frivolous, you know, stuff that we were mm-hmm. doing? Is it, how much does that really matter coming out of this? And so it's this whole idea, you know, stealing the words of Dorothy from, you know, the Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home and home really is, is inside of us. And so again, that metaphor of COVID being inside and reevaluating what really matters. I think that's just been such a gift, not to make light yeah. of, minimize the suffering that COVID's brought by all means, Certainly. but, but I think, you know, there's where there's a large front, there's a large back, right? So they're, they're in. Um, and the and the Illuminatists that I highlight in my book, which is you know forty one amazing men and women who have been really using their platforms also to spread the light, you know, because that is really mm-hmm. the concept is you know the this whole idea of of tapping into the you know into our inside into our truth, our soul, the lifeline to our gut is the light, you know. So we have to turn on the light because we're living in a modern day Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Where the dark and the light are definitely at odds. <laughs> so true (laughs) and we're definitely going to put a link to your book eco renaissance in the show notes so that everyone can check that out awesome thank you and we are we just reset our instagram at eco ren now and of course mine is at marcy zaroff um and then all of my my yummy brands um at yes and and at seed to style and at farm to home organic and at metaware organic um at beyond <laughs> brand so lots of lots of good stuff to share and and you know uh always trying to keep the content fresh and and uh inspiring you know because it really is about this is a community this is a movement this is a lifestyle this isn't about a product for me of course absolutely someone said well someone members of my family will say you work all the time and I'm like you know it's not work it's really not when it's your passion that's right it really does start there we follow our highest passion our highest you know truth and we'll always find our way because we're in the flow and that's when you kind of end up 
swimming in a sea of synchronicity, right? When you suddenly find yourself, you know, living in this world of like, wow, what are the chances, you know, because it's never, there are no coincidences. Then you start to realize you're in that flow and things start to just become more seamless or effortless along the way. Love that. Yeah. So, and I feel like as long as I've been doing this work 30 years, I'm, I feel like I'm just getting started. You know, all the engines are revving right now. So right. I, I've never been so excited. You know, I might pinch myself that the things I've been talking about, organic food and clean beauty yeah. and, you know, organic and, and sustainable fashion, you know, it's just mind blowing now that, that, you know, especially the next generation and, and Delia, your generation of like, you just get it. It's, you know, we don't mm-hmm. have to. It's, and it's not about preaching. It's about teaching by example. But, I, you know, there weren't a lot of people who really understood, you no. know, something that to me was so always so obvious. You know, there was a day where everybody in the organic food industry knew each other. I mean, it was just a small mm-hmm. little of us kind of like banging mm-hmm. on doors like, no, it really it does matter. Um, so it's it's really great to see, you know, um, and we're just at the beginning, I think, of this eco renaissance, mm-hmm. you know, more it, it becomes contagious because once you. Once you embrace a conscious lifestyle, you can't really turn it off. <laughs> no. And once you know, you can't go back. I mean, you try, but you're oh, what's in this that I'm eating? You know, it's just so interesting. I know it has to be so rewarding to you all these years, all this blood, sweat, and tear you put, put into it. And now people are actually, you know, really embracing it. And like you said, it's, it's very exciting to see where it will go next. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I feel like, you know, the entrepreneurs of tomorrow and all the, you know, um, business schools and fashion schools now are all focused on sustainability as a core component to whether it's, you know, business um, or it's fashion and design um, or building and design, you know, er like across the board, it's become like, you know, the hottest area of schools. It used to be like when I would speak at a fashion school or business school, you know, probably half the people were like, you know, ignoring me on their cell phones. And now the the classes get sold out and their entire tracks and and majors dedicated to, to these, you know, these areas, um, which is a testament to where the world is going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How did you stay strong and positive fighting for something that it took time for people to start paying attention to? You know, I think when you tap into your own vision or mission um, and you, you know, and belief system, and as you spoke to passion really is sort of at the core of that, then to me, it was always a when, never an if. I always believed wholeheartedly that you know, an organic or conscious lifestyle was made sense to me. So, so I just, you know, <laughs> it's the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, right? Lao Tzu. Um, you know, it is that idea that, you know, just stay true to your vision and take one step at a time. And the truth is, you know, three steps forward, one step back is just mm-hmm. part of the process. So whenever, you know, believe me, there were lots of naysayers. When I used to talk about eco-fashion in the 90s, you know, there people were like, wait a minute, those are two dichotomous worlds. People who are mm-hmm. into fashion are materialistic. People who are into, you know, environment, you know, are, are crunchy. They don't care. They're crunchy. Right. And I was like, wait a minute, we got to break the stigmas. That's the starting point. We have to break the stigmas. So for me, it was stigma one that, you know, the crunchy, frumpy, boxy, beige, boring. Can you smoke? Yeah. It? Can you smoke it after you wear it? You know, that was probably the <laughs> 
probably ask question I got, you know, like, and nobody understood that like, no, if you lead with design, you don't have to compromise style. And then, you know, and then the second stigma was, well, I can't afford it. You know, it's just, it's out of reach. I can't, you know, it's too expensive. And, and I spent a lot of my career kind of starting at the root or the seed, building up the supply chain. What people don't realize is that, you know, a typical garment can change hands seven to 10 times in a supply chain. So you have, you know, the cotton, then you have the gin, then you have the spinning, then you have the knitting or weaving, then you have the cutting and the dyeing and the sewing and the finishing and the printing and the embroidery and the packaging and the, you know, everything. And then the transportation. And if you don't understand how to streamline, streamline that process, it's subject to markups every step of that way. And so by building our supply chain from the farm or the ground up, and then taking it from farm to finished fashion, you know, we were able to be more vertically integrated, much more efficient. And then we could add the value of social and environmental sustainability into the product as a value add. So it's not about sacrifice or deprivation or giving something up. It's about getting more. And that really, that philosophy, I think, has been a big driver for me as to you know, how do we break those stigmas? Um, and then the third stigma is how do you really know whether it's sustainable? And that's why I'm a huge advocate of the global organic textile standard and the fair trade textile standard and the cradle to cradle standard. And, you know, certifications, while they're not perfect, they're definitely, they definitely create a roadmap of transparency and traceability. So from farm to finished fashion, all the products at Eco Fashion Corp that are um, compliant are, you know, able to be certified to the standard based on, you know, what the requirements are. Um, we always, you know, stand by our full traceable model um, from the farm up. And so the GOT standard really means that there are no harmful inputs any step of the way from the farm being certified to the organic standard, no differently than like, you know, vegetables and beans and grains and, and food products. Um, so we're, you know, we use crop rotation and cover cropping and green manure and all the, uh, you know, all the yummy things. And then we don't use GMO seeds or, or any pesticides, insecticides, herbicides, or, you know, and then in the dyeing and the finishing and the processing of our products, there are no harmful chemicals. So there's no formaldehyde or chlorine bleach or heavy metals or acetones or, so that third stigma, you know, is the, how do you really know? Well, we have very tangible impact data and we are putting all of that. We're in the process of working on blockchain technology now that will be able to bring that data about soil health and the reduction of all of these harmful inputs um, and then the benefit to farmer livelihoods and worker, you know, livelihoods. We'll be able to bring mm -hmm. that up the supply chain and tell those stories. But for now, you know, it really is about um, breaking those three stigmas and then giving people, you know, everything that they want and more. And, and it's education is so fundamental to our, this whole mm -hmm. movement, which is why I'm very grateful that we're co-creating on this podcast because mm -hmm. we have to educate people. Cause I think once people realize that, you know, we're all just made of energy and every choice that we make, you know, plays a role in the extension of who we are as people. It's not just what we put in our bodies that matters. You know, it's not just we are what we eat. It's also what we put on our bodies. We are what mm -hmm. we wear because, of course, our you know skin is the largest organ in our bodies and our primary organ for absorption, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an extension of who we are. So we want to think about that as well as the environment, as well as, you know, our clothing is not growing in the department store, right? It's... <laughs> <laughs> 
connected every day. And so we're all, and goes back full circle to, you know, this idea of connectivity and community and, and the five pillars of the eco Renaissance, as you mentioned briefly, you know, Alison, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the connection and the creativity, which I talked about earlier and community, you know, that we're all in this together and collaboration because one plus one equals 11. We're stronger together than we are apart especially when we're trying to make change happen and then consciousness, you know, as we continue to climb this ladder and have a different perspective of the world around us, you know, we see things differently and, and we can be more mindful about every choice that we're making and how mm-hmm. it, not just our own, you know, health and wellness and our own lives and our own and the environments around us, but our children's futures. Mm-hmm. And as we begin to understand it and then we can explain it. Well, obviously you've understood it for a long time, but people like Cordelia and me to begin to understand it better. And then we can tell other people that are just now waking up to all of this, you know, this sustainability is a buzzword. What exactly is that and everything. So it's just, it seems like it's like waves of, you know, reaching more and more people. And especially if you can make it, like you said, a little easier, a little less complicated to explain and also maybe not super expensive just the same argument with organic food in the beginning you know that's right. i mean um, that's why i wrote the book is really to make it fun and easy and it's a lifestyle guide for co-creating a stylish sexy and sustainable world it has to be fun it has to be you it can't you know my, i've raised my kids this way and people used to say to me oh they're gonna rebel someday i'm like no <laughs> you know i don't like impose the way i think on them it's more like i try to you know, help them understand the why. And, you know, it's like, it's like the farm to table movement or the, or the fashion revolution movement that are all about asking those questions. Who made my clothes? What's in them? How are they being made? You know, who's making them? And the same thing with farm to table, like what's in my food, you know, who's, who's growing and, and, and how's it being grown? And, you know, and because of the internet, it's changed everything in terms of transparency and, and, and that becoming such a key attribute, no differently than, you know, the other things that people choose, you know, like, like food, taste, you know, again, fashion, style, yes. beauty. It's like now transparency is front and center. It's like, what's in it? Yeah. How is it being made or grown? What's it doing to me? <laughs> well, how, right. What about the people that are, you know, then social justice, of course, you know, yes. inclusivity is huge. I mean, this is about, you know, we don't want sustainability to be perceived as this like exclusive, like you have to be in the elite circles to, you know, participate. Right. This is for everybody. <laughs> this is about, you know, as Native Americans said, we do not inherit this land from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. So I believe mm-hmm. as a parent, like we you know, owe it to our future generations to leave this earth as good, if not better than the way we found it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Most definitely. All right. Switching gears just a little bit. Have you raised money for any of your businesses? And if you did, what was that experience like? And how did you decide the best type of capital for that business? Well, I would say that through the years since I've been in business now for uh, almost 30 years, <laughs> you know, the process has changed. I mean, there was a day where, you know, 99.99% of the investors were men. And so, you know, walking in the room presenting as a young woman, especially as a fashion brand or, you know, mm-hmm. it was often like, you know, being looked at cross-eyed or like, you know, or, you know, the, or there wasn't like, an, there was, they, w- they wouldn't 
take you seriously, especially if you were a mom. You know, I actually had an experience with an investor saying, but you're a single mom, you know, can you really mm-hmm. run it? And I was like, are you kidding? Like I could jump circles or, you know, run circles around some of the people, the men that I would, that I knew who were able to get funding. And I, and yet, you know, it was always a prejudice, but now I would say, you know, the world's opened up a lot more. There are a lot of women funds. Um, yes, I've raised a lot of money through my career at, through all my businesses, um, you know, and, um, and I am in the process of raising capital for my newest venture, Eco Fashion Corp. And, you know, we've we've already done a, a bridge round um, that was very successful. And now we're moving into a Series A round um, to scale the business. We had a great first year, even despite COVID. Uh, so, you know, lot, lots of engines are running right now to grow. But I would say in terms of raising money, you know, it, there is a good, a bad and an ugly, you know, in raising money. And um, I have had all those experiences where, you know, the wrong investors can take a company down, you know, the right investors can propel you and accelerate you beyond your wildest dreams. So, you know, the process of raising money is definitely a dating game that goes both ways. Just as much as investors are evaluating you to see if they want to invest in your business, you need to be evaluating them to see, especially in a business like mine, that you share core values, that you have similar visions and missions, because the the biggest mistake you can make is taking money where you don't share values, just like, you know, getting married. And you don't want to marry somebody that has totally different values than you because it's a recipe for disaster. Same thing with raising money. If you raise money from people who don't see eye to eye with you and they might try to compromise, you know, your decision making and your vision, and that can actually create more harm than good. And so I'm very sensitive at this stage of my career to make sure I bring in the right money and strategic money and smart money versus just money for the sake of money. Brilliant answer. So stemming from that, do you have any advice for entrepreneurs? Um, I would just say, you know, building on what I said that I, you know, get yourself as far as you can on your own. Stay super lean. Don't go out. And even if you are able to bring in a little chunk of money that doesn't give you the or shouldn't give you the ticket to just, you know, go on a hiring spree or a spending spree, because I've seen more uh, entrepreneurs run out of money and not be able to get funded again um, because of that kind of mentality and investors are scared. You know, you have to treat investor money no differently than you would treat your own money with caution and care and consideration. And I'm very mindful um, about, you know, staying lean as long as I can, continuing to grow even once I'm funded um, in a way that is, you know, looks at every penny. Um, but carefully and makes decisions that look, I'm, you know, obviously as an advocate of sustainability, you know, and it's like Yvonne Chouinard said, and let my people go surfing. He's a founder of Patagonia. Every time you step back and you, you know, spend more to do the right thing, you end up making more in the end, right? Because, um, you know, you're investing into innovation and the future. And so I, I'm not saying that I won't spend, but I spend carefully. And mm-hmm. I think that, the, you know, you have to um, be able to bootstrap because the more leverage you have, the, the more likely it is that you'll find the right investors. When you're more desperate as an entrepreneur to raise money, you often can attract, you know, people who are, you know, shark for lack yeah. of a word, right? And that, you know, and that's scary. So just, you know, keeping in mind just to stay lean, don't get stuck in the muck, be willing to pivot at any and every opportunity to get better and smarter 
and be very careful about the money you take in. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, what about, you know, we hear a lot about uh, mentors and advisors for businesses and uh, all the business books say, make sure you have your, you know, some great advisors that you can go to, but how do people, how do you go about finding those? You know, I would just, from speaking from my own experience, I would say that, you know, a mentorship is oftentimes a, a two-way energetic street, right? Like, you know, I, and I talk about this in my book a little bit about serving others is serving yourself. So I, mm-hmm. I do mentor and advise and I, you know, I find that the, the, um, when I say yes, it's because there's an exchange of energy there that is very, um, personally rewarding at the same time that I'm trying to, you know, mentor or, or you know, assist somebody else with their, the execution or the vision that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. which is similar to how Horst was with me. He never like, you know, sat me down and like taught me. It was just watching him and sharing ideas Mm -hmm. and collaborating and being around each other where he was learning from me as I was learning from him. And it was a very mutually rewarding relationship. But, but I definitely, you know, was always amazed at how he navigated things. And, you know, it definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, I would say it, it, it had a huge impact on my life, but it wasn't so literal, right? Like sit Mm -hmm. down, let's, you know, block an hour and let's, you know, talk Mm -hmm. about it. It, it was it was a little bit more like in flowy, but I would just say, look, to get a mentor and an advisor, get to know who you who is the right fit for you too, and and you know follow them, watch them, get to know who they are. You know, the you don't want to go to a mentor and 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 know nothing about who they are because the the likelihood is they won't feel that connection with you. You know, you want to have you want to have um, enough of a background so that when you do engage and be bold. Because, you know, be asking mm-hmm. for a mentor or an advisor, you have to step up and not mm-hmm. be afraid. And I love that. I love that kind of bold energy when people are like, I, you know, I really, I have a vision, I have ideas, and I want to learn from you. And, and you know, as I said, the, the, I get asked a lot. And so it really, it, it just, it's very in, intuitive for me when I do say yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think it is, you know, it is um, great to have, people that you can look up to and learn from Mm -hmm. because why reinvent the wheel, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I'm reading a book called BE 2.0. It's the beyond entrepreneurship new edition by Jim Collins. And one of the things that I think the bill, his mentor that has died said in a relationship, both people, when asked who gets more out of the relationship, you should both say, I do. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right. I absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, the synchronicity that Horst, the founder of Aveda was born on 1111. Um, You know, as I mentioned earlier, my favorite number is 11, right? Because one plus one equals 11. Mm. Very um, auspicious that, you know, that connection. And, and, and I love just also sharing that, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, also born on 1111, and Paul Rice, the founder of Fair Trade USA, born on 1111. So no coincidence. <laughs> I think right. people who are, are, you know, into service often um, just in, it, there is something there, right? I'm a, yeah. It's so true. And sometimes these circles get smaller and smaller. I'm just like, I need to lay down. I'm feeling <laughs> 
so oh, it gets crazy and so exciting. Do you right. have any thoughts on what entrepreneurs should be doing to ensure they are on the path to profitability? You know, another thing I always learned from Horst was it's all about the people you surround yourself with. And I think, you know, at this stage of my career, at least where, you know, probably the single greatest goal that I had was making sure that I curated a team of people that shared my vision and were willing to step back to step forward. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you start, you don't want to bring on, you know, talent that's going to burn through all your money out of the gate. You want to find people who are willing to, you know, take a vested stake in the company vision with you. And those are the ones who are going to probably you know, work harder and be more productive because they're the ones rolling their sleeves up by your side and and sharing the the long term goal of, you know, monetizing the vision. And so um, I would just say, you know, for me, that's a big starting point is building a team that is willing to, you know, not come into the process saying, I want my market salary and I want this and I want that Mm -hmm. more about Mm -hmm. how can we, you know, going back to the one plus one, you know, how can we co-create success together? How can we leverage each other's strengths and skills and get to the finish line? So I think, again, just stay lean, just stay lean. That's like the biggest advice I can give. If you want to get to profitability, um, I, you just have to be super conscious about every dollar, how you're spending it, where you're spending it. And, and don't be afraid to negotiate um, with vendors and, and especially when you're in startup mode um, and, you know, people who are going to, you know, believe in you and bet on you are, are those who you want to be in bed with, you know, in terms of partnership. So it really is not about, you know, me against you. It's about me and you in this together in a win-win way. It's all about win-win business models. Mm-hmm. Win-win, stay lane. And then the other thing you said that I think makes a lot of sense too, is it's all about the people that that you choose to be around you in growing your business. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. How can we become more sustainable in our everyday lives? Mm-hmm. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm definitely a soil junkie. So I would say, you know, whenever you can to choose organic, because there are more impacts than people realize. It's again, not just about, you know, a healthy body, and reducing, mm-hmm. um, you know, the integrating any kind of harmful ingredients in or on your body. It's also about, you know, our planet and protecting our home. And um, so there's so many layers to why organic is important and regenerative agriculture, because, you know, again, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of our greatest solutions to climate change mitigation at the same time that we're protecting human and environmental wellness. So that's a big one. Um, obviously, reducing plastic um, it is such, I just, it's heart wrenching. I recently was in Costa Rica, went, um, snorkeling, diving, um, and it was like really, um, like it shook me. I've never seen so much plastic in the water mm. and, you know, and this is in a place that's very pristine where, you know, 50, more than 50% of the country is conservation land. So you, you know, you think about like going to places that are just where all that trash is just coming up on the shorelines all over the world of especially third world countries. And it's, you know, it's heart wrenching. And of course the, the animals, the, the fish and the oceans, they say there'll be more plastic in the oceans than fish by 2048. 
Um, so it is a huge issue and we've got to find innovative solutions to that. In fact, a lot of people don't even realize that every single synthetic garment in the history of mankind. Okay. So all the polyester, all the acrylic, all the nylon, everything that people are wearing that are synthetic, those fibers do not biodegrade. So what happens is when you wash them in your washing machine, they start shedding what we call microfibers that are basically plastic fibers that are endocrine disruptors. And they start shedding in these mini little fibers into the water systems, into the rivers that go into the oceans. And 90% of fish today are showing traces of microfibers from synthetic pollution, right? That is just a third of the plastic in the oceans today is, is approximately mm-hmm. is, is from apparel and garments and textiles. So That's you awesome. think about when you're buying textiles about, you know, about looking at natural fibers like organic cotton um, or fibers like tensiliacel, which are derived from eucalyptus um, and that also are biodegradable. So all these things do make a difference. Absolutely. I have trench that is made of recycled plastic bottles the trench coat yeah and the plastic and the recycled plastic bottles um are is not polyester that's been recycled it's actually plastic bottles taken out of landfills broken down back into pulp and fiber turned into yarn and then made into new garments the benefit of course is that that is you know promoting a circular economy which is really positive we have to get you know take the plastic bottles out of the landfills i mean obviously you know in lieu of reducing them completely which would be the ultimate goal um but but mm-hmm. the, the only thing just to consider when you you know in recycle poly is it still does break down it still is not biodegradable it still will shed microfibers mm-hmm. in your washing machine no differently than virgin poly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what sustainable innovations are you excited about so i would say probably um you know as i just mentioned turning waste into worth Um, is a big one. There's a lot of movement and circularity right now um, in disruptive business models that are really looking at, you know, everything from uh, rentals and reuse and repurposing and remaking and reselling. I mean, all these models are really taking root, you know, the real, real and wardrobe and rent the runway and um, and then you have, you know, then you have um, 3D uh, sampling that's happening now, lean manufacturing, robotics, um, very cool ways to be more efficient in the supply chain. And then finally, I would say all the attention on climate change now is turning into, you know, big commitments, climate pledges and carbon net zero pledges. Um, so there's carbon mapping going on and a lot of data capture um, to recognize, you know, both at the at the fiber or soil or farming level, all the way up through the supply chains and the manufacturing. How do we reduce our impacts? And, and it really does come down to innovation because we have to look at, you know, waterless dying and, you know, and more efficient, you know, more efficient ways to manufacture, like I said, robotics or, you know, there's, there's just so many layers. Um, but right now I think it's all hands on deck in the fashion industry. And it's exciting to see all the collaboration that's being born because no one company can typically drive, you know, a major innovation on their own. So there's a lot of like contests going on and foundations and global change awards and that are inspiring, you know, the next generation of, of forward thinking, you know, technologies and, and design concepts. That's fascinating. We have talked to, you know, young brands, especially almost daily, and um, they're all very excited 
about the concept of sustainability, but they're also scared to, if they, if they talk about it at all, that they're going to, you know, someone's going to come after them and say they're not doing it right, or they're claiming something that's not really happening. So they're trying to figure out the language, you know, more responsible, whatever the language is. And also they are um, nervous because it is more expensive. So they're trying to figure out coming out of COVID, they've already been hit in such a big way. And then to have to try and, you know, work as quickly as they can to become a sustainable brand. There's a lot of pressure on them and they're, they're nervous about it. So do you have any advice for those people? Um, in terms of it being more, more expensive or. Yeah. Like how can a young brand um, lean into sustainability when they have, they're already struggling and it is the fabrics and things are more expensive and. The concept of slow fashion altogether is is more expensive. Yeah. So I would say, you know, there are a lot of organizations that um, promote uh, collaboration and whether it's, you know, the um, whether it's the textile exchange or, you know, or common objective or it's the organic trade associations, organic fiber council. Um, you know, there are ways to join forces to create added value or exponential value by coming together with others. Metaware, which is my B2B manufacturing platform, we work a lot with brands and retailers to help navigate those costs by virtue of being very strategic and consolidating yarns or fibers or fabrics or, you know, cuttings or whatever it is. So I think it really does come down to sort of making sure you're not living in a silo and looking at ways that you can partner with other like-minded organizations or brands to, um, to get where you need to go more efficiently. And then I would also say the whole concept of zero waste is another way to be, you know, to save money in the supply chain. There are, there are definitely brands that have been born out of buying old fabric lots, you know, mm-hmm. that were basically going to waste and they turned that into earth. So you've got brands like mm-hmm. Reformation or Zero Waste Daniel, who literally have built their entire product selection or collections out of, you know, just picking up old, old fabric waste. Right. And, and Stephanie Benedetto, who's considered the queen of raw, that's her... A brand or company, um, she speaks a lot to, you know, ways to, to actually, you know, have get fabric and be creative um, and save huge money on those inputs. Cause that's really where the, the, a lot of the money comes in is, you know, making fabric. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all great. Yeah. That's wonderful. It is very exciting. I love the stories that are coming out now with the new collections of, you know, what they're doing. They went back. What what always was upsetting to me was, so you're, you're a brand and you do something beautiful with an incredible fabric, but then you can't use that fabric anymore after that season. So someone like me that loved the fabric, well, they'll never be able to find, you know, that fabric again necessarily. So now it's coming back in different ways and all different ways. I mean, it's oh, yeah. just every day. It's just so exciting. I feel like. And it's so not just fabric. It's also, you know, like there are designers that are going and they're buying out of like, you know, out of like uh, thrift stores or, you know, they're yes. buying all the old Levi jeans that are just on hanging there going to waste. And they're basically taking them home and repur, you know, to their offices and design houses yeah. and completely repurposing and redesigning existing denim with 
cool new, you know, they're fixing it or, or adding new things. Or there are, there are companies that have been born out of doing that, like Renewal Workshop. Uh, and even brands that are bringing their own products back in to repurpose them and, and then resell them. So, yeah, there's a lot of cool, there's a lot of cool stuff happening that's, you know, again, just building into um, this whole, you know, concept of circularity, which is definitely fundamental to sustainable fashion. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting. Absolutely. We- talked about this a little bit before if you have anything else to add since there are so many issues with the environment supply chains etc what are some things we can do to help so i mean i would just say you know voting with your dollars is probably so key it really it it's about you know wearing the chains right as we talked about that we wish to see so read labels you know, go online and read about the brands and the companies, their values, the, their work they're doing behind the scenes, um, you know, because look, everybody now wants to be in this game. So there is greenwashing mm-hmm. knowingly and unknowingly. The more you learn, yeah. you know, and there are certain things that are red flags. Like if you see a label that is, you know, rayon mixed with organic cotton, that's probably a red flag because rayon is is, is highly synthetic to, and, and polluting. And, um, you know, even though it's mm-hmm. derived from a plant source, right, it's basically made into a fiber using um, such heavy toxic chemicals that you're, you know, you're essentially creating a synthetic garment. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, mixed with organic, it sort of defeats the purpose of like, <laughs> you know, like there's a wash there. So I would say, you know, read the labels, read about the companies, vote with your dollars, support the brands and the products that are doing well by doing good, that are, you know, doing no harm, but but not just doing no harm, but actually doing good. So anything mm-hmm. organic and, you know, agriculture and, and regenerative agriculture to me is front and center. And then, you know, recycled and circular would be sort of the next frontier mm-hmm. from there. That all makes great sense. We've been really trying to um, promote that as well. Definitely. All of the things that you mentioned. Um, Okay. So as a consumer, buying consciously can mean more expensive. Any thoughts on that barrier? And I I will say before you answer that um, as what I do for a living as a wardrobe consultant, I've continued to try to explain to women that less is more and that quality, you know, and, and having a relationship with the things that you choose to put on your body is really what it's all about rather than just, you know, unconscious consumption or whatever the word is. Um, but, but how do you suggest that it's sort of the same argument with organic food? How do you, what do you recommend to people when they say to you, well, it's so expensive. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head and that less is more and that we have to slow fashion down because fast fashion is the biggest, you know, abuser of, of, of energy and water and chemical use and all the things that are destroying our planet and human health. Right. So, yeah. you know, we want to be slowing down fashion, buying more mindfully, higher quality, you know, um, longevity, things that that are not just going to be like in and out in a week or two. You know, I mean, we used mm-hmm. to have. We used to have four fashion seasons a year. Actually, at one point, there were only two, right? Spring, summer, yeah. fall, winter. Now there's 52 plus, right? These fast fashion right. retailers, are, they have a new season every oh. week. 
So it really is about slowing things down. And, and, and then the other thing is, is looking at brands that, that are, you know, that you do trust that are more vertically integrated and efficient. So as an example, I mean, Seed to Style, which just launched on QVC, you know, a week and a half ago is doing really well because we're leading with fashion and design and great prints and great fabrics and, you know, and really on trend design. So we have, you know, camo and animal prints and tie dyes and, you know, and gorgeous nature inspired colors and super soft organic fabrics and, you know, dresses and sweaters and ombre lounge sets, all comfort wear. And everything is between 30 and $70 in the entire collection. So it's affordable. And then we were able to do that because a, our partnership with QVC is a win-win and allows Mm -hmm. for us to have this amazing platform to educate, Mm -hmm. activate, and engage people at the same time that we're offering products that are a call to action. If you want to support, you know, look good, feel good and do good in the world, then, Mm -hmm. you know, then again, it, it comes down to we have to make sustainable fashion accessible as it would be on a QVC, affordable, again, by virtue of the business model, mm-hmm. inclusive, which we go from sizes extra, extra small to 3XL. So it's, you know, there's something right. for everyone because that's another big roadblock. Sometimes people will say, well, I'd love to buy sustainable fashion, but I can't find anything that fits me, right? Definitely. Um, and so we go all the way up to 3XL. And then authentic, everything is certified to the GOT standard. So we check every box of the stigmas I spoke to earlier to make sure we break those stigmas and we give people everything that they want. And in a world mm-hmm. where this new normal, where people are, are really seeking, you know, the kind of wearable, effortless, timeless, comfortable, stylish clothing that they can dress up or down, that you can lie on the couch on Zoom calls all day, but then you can throw on a pair of boots and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and jewelry and a bag and, and go out to dinner. Right. So, right. I think, you know, design, um, quality fabric, these are all, you know, um, you know, part of our design philosophy, but affordability is a big part of that. So, you know, I would de- definitely say check out Seed to Style at QVC um, and Farm to Home for Home Goods, similar philosophy. So exciting. Yeah. And just getting started. So that's awesome. Much more to come. Yes, exactly. In your opinion, what does the future of fashion look like? Well, we've spoken a lot about kind of my my belief system of this new normal. And I used to say, you know, when the norm becomes the alternative and the alternative becomes the norm, you know, then I've I've met my vision. Right. Which is kind of the meta the meta mission that I've had, which, you know, means that that fashion is not, you know, this or that, but it's this and that it's yes. And it's sustainable and stylish. It's inclusive. It's gender fluid. It's made using preferred fibers and materials like certified organic cotton or tensile ISL or recycled poly. Um, And, and that, you know, that's, it's brands that it's supporting and being a part of a, of a, community of brands where design is much deeper. It's looked at from not just, you know, uh, a linear, you know, the way it looks model, but from a circular, what's the end of life of this garment going to look like? So I think, you know, all hands on deck across the fashion industry, from the designers to the, the production teams, to even the finance teams, as well as sustainability, they all have to work together on these new holistic business models. You know, I, I launched the first certified organic products for Target. Um, and I remember thinking, wow, 
God, these departments are so siloed, like the the finance and the marketing and the sustainability and the design and the sourcing. They're not talking to each other. I feel like I have a bigger mm-hmm. look on on their company than they do because they're all so they're all operating, you know, in their own business unit. Um, and I had to sort of be that sort of, you know, core of Apple to bring all these different, you know, pieces together. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, you know, for a truly successful, sustainable fashion initiative or collection or brand, you have to be, you have to look at it with a holistic lens as, as an ecosystem, again, very metaphoric, but it really is It all, all the pieces have to come together and be aligned. It is really metaphoric. It is as simple as that, yep. you know, every- in life is really <laughs> boils down to that. Absolutely. What changes did you see in the fashion industry during COVID that excited you? Well, because, um, you know, we had a lot of factory shutdowns and delays and, and, you know, it, it sort of gave everybody this, um, opportunity to, you know, to relook at their businesses. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think what's excited me is, you know, what's come out of this is sustainability is not going away. It's now front mm-hmm. and center. And so that's obviously activated a lot of brands and retailers to come to uh, MetaWare to look at how can we, as a plug and play sustainable fashion manufacturer, help them meet their needs. And so we're working mm-hmm. with a lot of really exciting, you know, uh, major brands, retailers, designers, um, because, you know, it's really it, it's been an opportunity um, very in line with my book, Eco Renaissance, where there's a rebirth happening and an awakening and this understanding that, you know, health and wellness are not this like, you know, external foreign idea. It's like we have responsibility that actually can can support or or, you know, hurt our our ability to be healthy and and live in a world where people can thrive and so sustainability and transparency and inclusivity to me all go hand in hand Mm -hmm. and I think they were all propelled further by you know by COVID absolutely absolutely what are some things you did to pivot during COVID Um, so, you know, I guess because of some of the factory delays, we were able to build a stronger foundation in terms of, you know, where we really wanted to focus, um, our yes and D to C brand was born, um, (laughs) during COVID and, um, (laughs) and we had a, you know, our first kind of full collection come in, in November of, of this past year. And so we've got a great start and that's one of the reasons we're now raising capital to scale the business. Um, cause this whole, you know, farm to finished fashion to consumer, um, you know, whole transparency model with story doing from source to story where we can talk about our farmers and our factories and, and talk about our practices, you know, that's become with social media and digital media, um, I think that that's really the future, you know, of fashion now and, and every brand and retailer, I think, to survive almost had to go online. And I think, look, in the end, that's better for consumers. It's a win win for everybody because we get to, you know, we now get to, you know, have access to a lot more, you know, than we did before, um, especially when it comes to sustainability, where it was always very hard to tell the stories um, at like brick and mortar retailers um, you know, because how do you, how do you, you know, someone's making a decision very quickly when they walk into a store. Um, and this opportunity now that we're on QVC that was also born during COVID, uh, where we have this platform to speak to people at home. I go on air. I was uh, on air, I think, uh, eight times in the last two weeks from home, which is wow. really 
really exciting. And so I think, you know, for, for us, our business model being, you know, direct with the consumer, talking to, you know, our customers and our partners and, and even co-creating lots of amazing, exciting collaborations with other brands, with celebrities and, and media. Uh, we're doing a lot. There's a lot in the pipeline with Yes And right now. So definitely follow at Yes And. Um, to see what we've got up our sleeve. But I think, you know, we were, we were able to, to really look at, you know, how do we get stronger, smarter, better, you know, coming out of COVID. And, and I think that this time has given, you know, all the Zoom meetings. I mean, it's, it's very ironic because in some ways we've been disconnected, not being together, but in other ways we've been so connected. I mean, I spend probably 10 hours a day on Zoom. Um, and I feel right. like, I, I feel very like, you see people at home, you see their kids, like yes. very, very bonding that's happened during COVID. I, I very much agree with you. I mean, and it could be people across the globe. Absolutely. What do you think is the future of fashion week and the fashion weeks around the globe? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, you know, I see in here a lot of fashion brands that are really getting creative around like, you know, virtual reality experiences and, mm-hmm. you know, these like unbelievable technologies that are now transforming like, you know, fashion weeks and fashion shows and even fashion trade trade events where they're just the things that I'm seeing now and being and getting to participate in are really fun and way more convenient. And obviously mm-hmm. we're all saving a lot of, we're all saving a lot of money and, and obviously saving uh, our environment by not, you know, perpetuating all the waste and all the impacts that come from all these events. I mean, the amount of, you know, waste and energy and water and, and just like resources that get used to put on a single one hour show are just so crazy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think this idea of going virtual is very exciting to me. And I do believe that there will be at the very least uh, more of a hybrid of that as we go forward. And eventually mm-hmm. who knows, maybe segue completely uh, into, you know, technology and, and virtual versus live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now it's really confusing. Everybody's sort of trying to figure it out. It you are. It is fun that, you know, like in the past, there were a lot of fashion events that I couldn't go to because either time constraints, budget constraints, or conflicts with other things. And now sure. it's like, you know, the world has opened up to all of us. And, and you know, I've been going to, I've seen watch fashion shows going on in India that I never realized I could be a part of before because they weren't, you know, virtual or, sure. right. or events, events in the UK that, you know, green carpet events and things that I'm just like, you know, really excited about. Um, and we held at Yes And, we held a sustainability summit last Earth Day as a precursor to our launch that, was very well attended and we hadn't even really launched the brand yet we had over a thousand registrations and wow yeah I mean and it was really great and from people around the world so I love that I love that now you know what what we've been sort of retrained in our minds to realize like we don't have to have business meetings in person or events in person or you know we can we can do a lot more and be a lot more productive and and I think you know I feel like we've gotten a lot more done because of that mm-hmm. um, all that mm-hmm. time that I used to spend traveling yes I miss traveling I mean normally I'd be in India at least once or twice a year I haven't gone you know in a year Um, But I love all this. I'm doing tons of Zoom meetings with my teams in India. And it's, you know, I feel still very connected to everybody, um, even though, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously not boots on the ground. But Mm -hmm. so there is something to be said about 
the in-person time for sure. But I do think we can minimize that and reduce that. It's, I think we were at a point where it was just completely excessive. Right. It was completely out of control. Yes. So you, in all your articles, you are so knowledgeable about what's happening in a variety of industries. How, how in the world do you stay on top of it all? Do you read daily newsletters, publications, podcasts, any you recommend? You know, I, because I have my fingers and toes in so many different kinds yeah. of things and they're all connected to me, I kind of skim a lot. I dive into like specific articles sometimes that I, you know, like I'll read the headlines, you know, I mean, I read every day, I read the New York times and I read the business of fashion and, and women's wear daily. And, you know, yeah. um, and you know, I listen to, I love like a, a pretty you know, diverse group of, of, um, podcasts and, and newsletters from, you know, from Jay Shetty to how I built this, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to fashion is your business to, you know, I mean, it, it really depends on my mood. Um, and I, I listen to, you know, spiritual all the way up to, you know, high fashion. Um, so really mm-hmm. it's just, and, and I'm on a number of boards. I'm on, you know, I serve on um, as an advisor for a number of organizations. So I try to keep my finger on the pulse as best as I can of kind of what are the different conversations and circles happening so that, you know, we can always together raise the bar on, on the, the movement. And the movement is, you know, kind of coming full circle from probably the beginning of the call is bigger than just fashion. I mean, in, in eco-renaissance, in my book, mm-hmm. I connect art food, wellness, beauty, fashion, and business. Because to me, they are all the different pillars of popular culture. And I have my eco-renaissance mantras and sort of that connective tissue, as we spoke to earlier, the five C's that are the common threads across all of these different, you know, sectors of, of culture. Mm-hmm. Marcy, what's next for you? <laughs> um, so, well, given that Eco Fashion Corp is only, you know, less than two years old, really just building out um, the Yes And brand to transform, you know, the, the fashion industry, hopefully, and be, you know, be a, a, a voice for, you know, this whole movement um, as a lifestyle company, not just women's fashion, but hopefully we'll move into men's and to home as well. Um, obviously, the growth with QVC, we're just getting started. I think, you know, the it's a very exciting opportunity and platform to expand into the mainstream and the mass market and really educate and activate people and show them how easy and fun it is to support sustainable fashion and home. Um, and, you know, I do have another book that uh, called Addressing Change that is underway and a film project that I've been working on oh called Thread Documentary. Um, you can go to threaddocumentary.com and watch the trailers, the two trailers there. And then someday, big picture, you know, I'd like to to kind of come full circle and bring manufacturing back to the U.S. as I started with MetaWare uh, doing and and really build out a turnkey factory um, at some point in time that, that has, you know, all the efficiencies built in as to why I like working in India, because it really mm-hmm. is about vertical integration and everybody working hand in hand together uh, versus it being so splintered and broken as it is in the U.S., which makes it really challenging to be efficient. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> I really, it's a whole nother conversation, but 
I, I want to know how what a day looks like for you. How in the world you're able to look accomplish all? You must have a like an army of people with you that that help you along the way. This is just so intense, but it's so um, remarkable and impressive and inspirational. So, where can people find you? Yeah. So, um, well, MarcyZeroff.com or EcoFashionGorp. Corp.com both have kind of links to the other brands, but um, definitely, you know, check out QVC.com, go to Seed to Style uh, or search Seed to Style, search Farm to Home. Also on Instagram at Marcy Zeroff or Twitter or Facebook, um, as well as, you know, all the brands at Seed to Style, at Yes And, at Farm to Home Organic, at Metaware Organic. Um, so definitely follow us and, and check out our uh, joinyesand.com is our uh, website for Yes And. And um, really excited. And, and then Eco Renaissance is available at Amazon and QVC and Target.com and lots of different uh, places. And please um, send reviews if you read the book and you like it. So, yeah, just Wonderful. getting started. Well, <laughs> everyone for joining and thank you, Marcy, for being here. Thank you for having me. And again, let's all wear the change we wish to see in the world and, and you know, join the eco renaissance and, and be a part of this amazing and exciting uh, rebirth that's underway. So thank you for having me and I look forward to co-creating again in the future. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.